This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. It's a special edition. We are previewing the Stanley Cup final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens, the defending champion Lightning, looking to win their second in a row and third Stanley Cup. The Montreal Canadiens back for the first time in 28 years, trying to win Stanley Cup number 25. Very exciting stuff. So we're going to go through the series. We're going to break it down category by category. And let's start by breaking down the team's offense the respected offenses of the teams i'm not talking power play we're going to do special teams later so let's just break down the offense of each team we'll start with you kenneth campbell who has the offensive edge in this series well i mean during the regular season they both they both were fairly you know they were they were about the same but during the regular season (laughs) you know nikita kucherov was uh, nursing an injury all season and steven stamkos was was held to you know limited to 38 games um, I mean, the way Braden Point is scoring with those two guys in the lineup, the offensive thrust they get from their defense, which actually hasn't been that much in the playoffs. It's, it's kind of surprising. Neither team has actually gotten, I think, like Montreal's gotten two goals from their defensemen and Tampa's gotten like three. Um, so there hasn't been that much from their defense um, uh, the, the, these playoffs. But I, I just, I can't, uh, I, I cannot, I, I, I simply can't pick, I cannot not pick Tampa uh, in this category. I mean, you know, Kucherov is leading the playoffs and scoring. They have the top four scorers in the playoffs this year right now. Um, Braden Point is doing what Braden Point does in the postseason and what he fooled me, you know, when I picked him in the hockey pool this year, uh, thinking he would do in the regular season and doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and, and then, I mean, you, you know, I mean, then you throw in a guy like, like Alex Kalorn. You know who saw that offensive production coming, right? I mean, I mean, you know, when a guy like that, a second, you know, when you've got all these scores, all these great scores, you know, you've got Steven Samkos, one of the most dynamic scores of his generation. You've got, you know, Kucherov, who's dynamic, and and then you know, one of your secondary guys comes up and does what Kalorn is doing. Um, I find it hard not to give the, the edge to Tampa, although Montreal is much is much better than they were in the regular season offensively. <laughs> And I think a big part of the reason is, you know, their second line, which is which is driven, you know, by Cole Caulfield and, and Nick Suzuki. I mean, Cole Caulfield has 41 goals this season. He's got 41 goals, you know, from, you know, from University of Wisconsin, Laval Rocket and, uh, and, and Montreal in the regular season and the playoffs. He's got 41 goals. That doesn't count however many he scored in the World Junior. I can't remember. But um, so that Montreal is a lot better, but I don't think. I don't think Montreal is going to want to get into a, an, an offensive fireworks display against these guys. Yeah, very true. I mean, any team that can hang eight goals on the New York Islanders is quite the offensive threat. And obviously Tampa Bay did that. It's very interesting because as Ken mentioned, you know, Tampa Bay did not have Kucherov during the regular season and Montreal did not have Cole Caulfield. And, you know, Cole Caulfield's not quite at Kucherov's level, but in these playoffs, he has been practically as equal. Maybe not quite, but he's been as important for Montreal, if not even more so, just because Montreal doesn't have a lot of firepower. But the chemistry that we've seen between Caulfield, Suzuki, and Tyler Toffoli has really been there for the Habs. And they've needed it because they don't have a lot of offensive weapons. And, of course, Jonathan Drouin has not played in these playoffs uh, after taking a personal leave from the team, 
I'm going to give the ledge, the edge to the lightning as well, because they have such a potent attack and they have threats, you know, on different lines. They have guys that can step up. They have that secondary scoring. They also have the experience of a team that knows what to do in those tight games when they need a goal. Like keep in mind, they had to beat the New York Islanders one nothing in that final game seven. They needed to draw out at least one guy be at least one goal better than the Islanders. And they found a way. And I think it's really crucial. You know, Montreal's found a way in these playoffs to get the offense they needed, but Tampa Bay has done the same thing. They're not just sort of a, a, a circus uh, act here. They know how to grind. And I, I think with that sort of holistic offense, they have, you, you can't bet against them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a good point, Ryan, you know, that was the sort of the theme of the lightning winning the cup last year that they learned how to win in more than one way. They learned how to win ugly and pretty because they brought in guys like Blake Coleman and Patrick Maroon and Barkley Goodrow. When you look at the totality of the offense in the series, I, I think I do agree that the lightning have the edge, but I think it's a lot closer than people realize because when you're looking at Tampa's offense as a whole, you're factoring in the power play and that's what Tampa relies on. But if we're talking five on five offense, Tampa's been, they've been fine, but they actually haven't been that great. They've actually been outchanced by their opponents for the most part in these playoffs. And they're relying on getting, you know, high danger chances. So it's the, the overall talent and skill. They don't need as many chances as the average team to convert. And that's especially true with Nikita Kucherov coming back. Kucherov has almost doubled the points of the, of the leading score on the Habs. He's got 27 points. The Habs leading score has 14 points. And the Lightning, they have seven players with at least four goals in the playoffs. And it was Alex Cologne during media day yesterday. He kind of pointed out that idea that, hey, you can maybe successfully shut down our top line for a game or two, but our our true calling card is our depth. So there's going to be another line that can hurt you game to game, which is fair. But that said, the Habs, I think, are a very deep team as well. If you have guys like Josh Anderson on your third line, if you have guys like Corey Perry on your fourth line, I think it's a testament to your depth. Like you guys said, the youthful injection of Suzuki and Caulfield that made the Habs a lot more dangerous and I like one, one thing that Suzuki said yesterday. He said, uh, he said, you know, we don't, we almost like, we don't really know what's going on because this is so new to us, but maybe that's an advantage because there's no baggage. There's no pressure that comes with being the new guys that sort of get parachuted in. And I do think the moment that Caulfield came into the playoffs in round one, after sitting at the beginning of the Leafs series, it totally changed. I think the, just the, the overall look of the Habs, they have someone out there who you have to really keep an eye on and find where he is, who's going to be in the shooting lane. The puck has gone off a stick. And I do think going forward in the years to come, it's going to make the Habs a more dangerous team. Habs are weird because they actually, they were sort of the analytics darling type in the regular season, getting lots of chances. In the playoffs, they're not doing that as much because they've got this kind of rope-a-dope thing where they've been playing teams that are superior on paper, the teams that were favored to beat them, and the Habs kind of sit back. They counterattack more, so they're not peppering their opponents the way they did in the regular season, but they're making their chances count. They've got that great speed and transition with guys like Paul Byron or Gallagher. They, they have a lot of guys that can hurt you, I think, in transition. So to me, it's pretty close, but I'll give you, I'll agree with you guys overall, the Lightning just based on overall elite talent. If you need a goal from one team or the other with a minute left, you're going to bet on Tampa to be the team that gets that goal. Let's talk about defense. Ryan, who do you think has the defensive edge in this series? It's a close one, but I I will give it to Montreal, particularly when we're talking about team defense. You know, if you're looking at, you know, strictly blue liners, we've seen some tremendous heavy lifting from Shea Weber, Ben Chirot, Joel Edmondson, and Jeff Petrie. I mean, those have been the, the big four for Montreal. And they've done a great job of you know, keeping guys away from Carey Price, allowing him to make the saves that he needs to make 
and really just sort of bogging down the opponent's offense. They can't do it alone, and they haven't had to because you have that team philosophy, you know, and you have a, you know, a guy like Philippe Deneau up front in his line, which is essentially a top shutdown line, which has been doing such a great job of keeping opponents at bay. And, you know, the combination of that and Carey Price uh, has really driven Montreal to this point so far. The Habs have to be super proud of that. And, you know, it, it goes back to their coaching staff as well. And we've seen, you know, a, a couple of coaches sort of take the helm there because you had, you know, obviously Dominic Ducharme is the interim coach and then Luke Richardson is now the interim interim coach, but they haven't missed a beat. And I think that really speaks to how well coached this team is and how dialed in the players are to buy into this system and really work it to a T because I mean, they have been masterful and, you know, we saw it particularly, I would say in the Winnipeg series where the jets just couldn't get anything going against Montreal. On the other hand, Tampa Bay, you look at the high end elements they have and you look at the, the structure that they have. And it's just as impressive. Um, you know, Victor Hedman, obviously a Vesna trophy winner. Ryan McDonough has been an absolute beast for Tampa Bay. Mikhail Sergachev, you know, I, I think he's had some ups and downs, but he's really sort of, um, you know, come to the fore when they needed him, particularly at the end of that Islanders game, just in terms of his shot blocking. And then, of course, you have a range of forwards who are very good defensively as well. Anthony Sorelli and, you know, um, you know, a lot of their guys, uh, you know, Braden Point, you might think of him just as an offensive guy, but he does so many good things out there. So, you know, the two teams are, are pretty similar in that respect, but I'll give the nod to Montreal because that's really been their bread and butter in the playoffs and has made for a lot of success for them. Yeah, I, pro I probably would have been inclined to give a slight edge to Montreal, um, but then I watched game seven against the Islanders, Tampa's game seven against the Islanders. I, I mean, guys, I, I, I mean it. I, I mean this when I say it. I think they could still be playing that game and the Islanders would have no goals. Like, <laughs> like they just, Tampa gave them nothing, like nothing. And I think when it really comes down to it and they have to play that style, they're like super, super comfortable playing that way. Um, they have no problem shutting it down. Like, like the, the versatility of this team is amazing. Like, you know, I mean, the, the Panthers tried to drag him into an alley fight in the first round. Okay. Okay. Let's go. You want to do that? Let's play that way. Okay. We win. You know, <laughs> I mean, okay. You want to score goals? You want to get into track meet? Okay. We win again. <laughs> and then defensively they win as well. Um, I, I would say it's probably even because of that in my mind, um, you know, you, you do have the Montreal big four. You do have a team that is playing an incredible system and, and is very like, I think the thing about Montreal that you have to, that you have to realize defensively about them is that so much in the playoffs at the very least. And, and Matt, you touched on this so much of the Canadians offense comes from their good defense, right? Like they're very opportunistic. They're they're Like th th this is one of the most opportunistic teams I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, just the way they, that, you know, the way they jump on those pucks and, 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 and fire up that outlet pass to like Cole Caulfield who knocks it over the defenseman stick and then goes in for a, for a, for a goal, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it too, as well. Um, you know, and, and obviously the big four in Montreal has been, way more physical than everybody else. Um, and I think that's, I think that's going to be Tampa's 
biggest challenge in this series is to get to the front of the net, to get to the scoring areas, to, you know, take the punishment that they're going to take in order to get scoring chances. I, I think they can do it, but I think it's going to be very, very difficult. So I, I'm actually not going to give an edge to either team here. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's pretty even. Interesting. Yeah. I, I agree about the big four and they've been particularly good at just sort of ending rushes, swallowing up rushes, especially the, the Weber and Sherratt uh, pairing, but also Edmondson and Jeff Petrie, they've been outstanding. And it's, you know, they're, they're a big quartet. And I think in the playoffs, the style of play that the officials allow, I think it benefits that group. They're more effective in the postseason than in the regular season. And the Lightning, you know, they do have some size, but a lot of their bruising ability, their size in the forward group is more on the bottom six. So it's going to be interesting to see if the top six can sort of penetrate that group. I still give overall the defensive edge to Montreal, though, I think, especially because of the shutdown capability of the Deneau line. I was looking at some of the numbers. So we know, of course, Mark Stone got completely erased. We know Mitch Marner got completely erased in round one. Austin Matthews, for the most part, he had a good start to the series, but kind of disappeared as things, things progressed. But I looked at the five and five numbers. So 261 minutes with Philip Deneau on the ice, five goals have been scored on the Habs in 261 minutes of five on five play, which is pretty remarkable. And I do think that's going to be a big story in the series, but I think the Habs as a group, they, they've been good for two years defensively. I think the weird thing is they didn't get enough credit in the regular season this year and the year before because Carey Price wasn't very good. So they were giving up more goals than they should have because they actually were really insulating Price. And we'll get more into that later, but the actual defensive work and the limiting of chances, they've done a good job of it the last two seasons. And now with good goaltending in front of them, they're finally kind of showing up as an overall great defensive team. The Lightning, they were great last year. This year, they've been merely good. They've actually been, like I said, when we were talking about the offensive category, they've been outchanced by their opponents. They rely on Andre Vasilevsky a lot more than they used to. It's kind of ironic because John Cooper talked about the fact that, you know, we used to need our goaltender a lot more, but now we're more well-rounded. Well, actually... The numbers suggest that he's wrong, and it's the exact opposite. Before, they didn't need the goaltending as much, and this year they need a lot more because they're allowing more chances. It's, it's a harder workload for Andre Vasilevsky. He's lifting the team more than he has. So I'm sorry, Mr. Cooper. You actually have it completely backwards. So I give the edge defensively to Montreal in this series. Uh, we may as well. We already started hinting at goaltending, so let's dive into goaltending. Kenny, to me, this is the best goaltending matchup in the Stanley Cup Finals since 2001, Patrick Juan Martin Brodeur. What do you think in terms of the edge? Is there an edge or is it just, you know, the best versus the best? We have to just call it a wash. Yeah, this, this could be the one of the great all-time goaltending duels that we've ever seen in Stanley Cup history. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's probably a wash. I, I actually did a, a preview and, and I picked Price and someone called me on that. And I started thinking about it. You know, I mean, Vasilevsky has seen a tougher workload. He's faced more shots. He's got a, actually a slightly better save percentage than Carey Price in these playoffs. So, I mean, everybody's talking about Carey Price and, and his heroics, but, you know, maybe the narrative has to switch a little bit here. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if you came into the playoffs and you said, okay, um, here's these two teams. Uh, Tampa, you'd say, you know, Vasilevsky, he doesn't have to be great. He just has to be good, you know, for them to win. And Carey Price doesn't have to be great. He just has, or no, sorry. Carey Price actually has to steal a whole bunch of games in order for them to do that. Um, you know, it's maybe not as black and white as that because there have been games that Vasilevsky has stolen. He's got four shutouts. He's been absolutely impenetrable in, in games that they've, when they've closed out series. Um, so it's, it's probably a lot closer than kind of, 
it would suggest. I, th- I think we're just, you know, we're just seeing, you know, goaltending has become such a factor and has been so intensified because Carey Price was so bad in the regular season and he's been so good in the playoffs. So I, I, I'd actually probably make it make that one even as well. Yeah, I think it's fair to call it even for this one because you have two elite goaltenders here. You know, as Ken mentioned, Andre Vasilevsky does have a bit of an edge in terms of save percentage on Carey Price right now. 936 for Vasilevsky, 934 for Carey Price. Four shutouts for Vasilevsky, one for Carey Price. But the number that I'm going to go back to is one, and that's one Stanley Cup for Andre Vasilevsky, zero Stanley Cups for Carey Price. As intimidating as Price is, he's not the guy that's done it before. Andre Vasilevsky has done this before. It was actually just last year, so it's fresh in his mind. He knows how to deal with these situations. And, yes, of course, Carey Price has an immaculate international reputation, and he's been in huge games in the Olympics and things like that. But for Andre Vasilevsky, for whatever reason, when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, if he has one game where he's not at the tippy top of his game, then the next time out, he is just right there. You know, he does. He just doesn't have two bad games in a row. It just doesn't seem to happen. And, I mean, that's a really great thing to have, especially when you're right at the final here and you've got a guy who has all the attributes necessary – it's really funny. I mean, other than their age, these guys, I mean, they're practically mirrors of each other where they have the size, they have the pedigree, they have the poise in the net. You can count on both of them. And, and for that reason, you know, I, I'm going to call it a tie because it would seem unfair to either one of them to say, yeah, you'd rather have the other guy in net for this series. Yeah, that's fair. And it's funny. It's like the way I could put it is, one guy is considered a living legend, a future Hall of Famer, an icon of his generation. The other guy, by 26 years old, uh, has been a Vezina finalist four years in a row, has a Vezina trophy, he's about to win a second Vezina trophy, has been to three Stanley Cups, has led the league in wins four years in a row, and is the fifth goalie ever to do that. The other four goalies who have done that are Hall of Famers. So why, why are we all over Carey Price when Andre Vasilevsky is the guy having the legendary start to the career? What he's doing relative to age is on par with Terry Sachuk, Patrick Waugh, Grant Fuhrer, Tom Barrasso, who should be a Hall of Famer. And it's bizarre. It's just the narrative tells us that Price is this legend. Vasilevsky is actually ahead of Price in terms of accomplishments relative to age, and I think he deserves a lot more respect. I'm not saying that the edge has to go to Tampa, but I'm, I'm saying we should at least give him equal respect to Carey Price. What's fascinating about Price is he sort of, it, it appears he subscribes to the philosophy that you need to be busy to be good. Because in the regular season, if you look at that stat, expected goals, for 60 minutes, which if you're not an analytics guy or gal, it's sort of just, it's an, it's an all-encompassing way to say how difficult is your workload. Price was top three easiest workloads in the league, had a terrible regular season. Maybe he's a guy who's out of rhythm. He needs to be blitzed. And in the playoffs, he's seeing significantly more shots, more chances. He's just way busier. Like you said, Ken, the Habs are relying on him a lot more. Part of the rope-a-dope technique, they absorb the attacks of opponents and counterattack. That whole strategy does not work unless you have a goalie who's standing on his head, which Carey Price is doing. And of course, we all know about his body language. We talk about our team's or does he get in opponents' heads? But one question I asked during media day, I asked uh, Jeff Petrie this was, is the opposite true? Can he get in your head? Can he get in your team, in his teammates' heads in a good way? And Petrie said, absolutely. Just seeing his body language and his efficiency in combat there, it kind of just calms the whole team down. And it changes the way they play. They can sort of 
they, it allow it facilitates that transition game, knowing that Price affords them the ability to do that because he's so reliable back there. So I get the mystique around Price. He's really proving it. Playoff Price is a different guy. I totally understand it. But Andre Vasilevsky, I think, was extremely impressive this season, has been in the playoffs as well. And he's a guy who particularly high danger, like the top quality 10 bell scoring chances are the ones that Vasilevsky does the best against. And to me, that's a testament to how good he is. He's a tremendous goalie. He's powerful and big in his movements. And to me, it's an epic matchup, and I don't think it's fair to either guy to say that one has the edge over the other. So I, I call that a deadlock. Let's discuss, to me, because of the fact that goaltending is so close, I think special teams is going to be the deciding factor in the series. We have a legendary power play and a legendary penalty kill. So Ryan, who has the edge, in your opinion, special teams-wise? I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I'm going to give the edge to Tampa Bay. I know that Montreal's penalty kill is currently clicking at 93.5%, which is incredible. And then, of course, they have shorthanded goals on top of that. So I think you know, if I recall at one point, folks on the uh, on Twitter were pointing out that their penalty kill is actually above 100% if you look at it in, you know, in that regard. Having said that, the Tampa Bay power play – I think they can crack the Habs. And, you know, Tampa Bay's power play has been fantastic this season. You know, when you're talking about, you know, the actual uh, statistics, you know, their power play, 37.7%, so almost 40%. But what I like about Tampa's power play is it's not static. You know, they almost run that, like, NCAA basketball, the old, like, Princeton offense where guys are always moving. You've got multiple trigger men. And, you know, you've got a, a guy at the point in Victor Hedman who will shoot and get his shot through. But, you know, these guys, they know each other so well on that Bulls power play that they can do so many different things. And, you know, because Montreal's penalty kill has been so good, I think some of the Habs opponents have gotten kind of stuck in the mud, mud in these previous series where they just couldn't figure out how to crack the code. I think what Tampa Bay does is say, you crack our code. We're just going to move all over the place, and we've got all these ace shooters. Uh, we don't care what you're doing. You should care what we're doing. And for me, I think that's going to be the key. And, you know, obviously, Carey Price, again, you know, your, your best penalty killer is your goaltender. That's what the uh, the play-by-play guys always say on TV. And, uh, you know, that might not always be true when you've got Patrice Bergeron on the ice or Anthony Sorelli. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I understand the sentiment. But I just think that in a battle of an amazing power play versus an amazing penalty kill, I just feel like the creativity of that Tampa power play is going to win out. But I am, I am going to say it's only a slight edge if we're going to sort of coach things like that. See, I think the answer to this question is going to be determined by one factor. That's how the games are called. I think that's going to be a huge factor in all of this. Um, if the games continue to be called the way they have been, um, then I, I, I don't think Tampa's power play will get a chance to be as dominant as it has been. Um, you know, if they really tighten up, they put the whistles away, you know, not only will Montreal, you know, Montreal will be more emboldened by that and be able to play a certain style of play, you know, they'll take the odd penalty and they'll be able to kill it. 
I, I think, you know, I mean, so I think if you, if you, if you keep Tampa's power play off, if the referees keep Tampa's power play off the ice, then, you know, they, they won't have an opportunity to be as dominant as they have been. Um, so I think that's going to be a huge factor. But if you subscribe to the, the theory that, you know, one cancels the other out, that, you know, the great, the great penalty killing, you know, cancels out the great power play, then you have to look on the other side. Okay, how is Tampa's penalty killing and how is Montreal's power play? Right. So that that might be the factor right there. And they've both been actually pretty good. Like they've actually both been really good. Um, so um, I, I would say it's it's probably it's probably even and I'm going to give a slight edge to Montreal because, like I said, I, I do think that, um, you know, Tampa's, you know, Tampa's power play will be will not be as big a factor because it'll be kept off the ice. Yeah, and you make a good point, Kenny. Because uh, if you whether you want to call it the officials or whether you, whether you want to give Montreal credit, but discipline-wise, the Habs have been one of the best teams in the playoffs out of the sixteen teams. They're fourteenth in terms of penalty minutes per game, so they're the third best, the third most disciplined team. So there's a good chance that they keep the Lightning power play off the ice for the most part. They've done a really good job of that. Luke Richardson was referencing it yesterday that the philosophy is if you have a chance to blow a guy up with a big hit or make it a chance stopping play, you go for it. But otherwise, no reaching in and doing those lazy plays. And otherwise, you know, in those cases, it's like let your goaltender make the save. So the Habs, they've executed that really well. And it, it, it's interesting to me. I, I think you're right, Kenny, about the, the reverse being important because the Lightning – they were really good on the penalty kill last year, and they're still good this year. The Habs, they started out slowly, but when they brought Cole Caulfield back into the mix, it sort of changed them, and I think now they're a lot more threatening. <laughs> to me, the reason why I call it even, even though you know the Lightning power play is so formidable, if you look at the flip side of it, I think the Habs are going to get a lot more power play opportunities. It's been a problem for Tampa Bay for three, four years in a row. They're consistently one of the least disciplined teams in the league. They're always near the top in terms of penalties taken. It's why they need a great penalty kill because they need to be bailed out. They take a lot of penalties. They did. They, they do it in the regular season. They do it in the playoffs. They did it in the regular season the past couple of years. It's just part of who they are. They play a rough game and they take a lot of penalties. So if you factor in the idea that Montreal is going to get more opportunities, I think overall, I, I call it a wash. Let's talk coaching. So Kenny, uh, we'll start with you. Is it, it, to me, this is the simplest category, especially if we're starting with Luke Richardson is that quote unquote head head coach. But even if you're looking at Dominique Ducharme, if you compare them to John Cooper, who's got the current Stanley cup championship under his belt, he's probably going to be Canada's coach. Is this a no contest? I don't know if it's a no contest. What I find actually the most intriguing about this whole situation is what if, you know, um, the unthinkable happens and Montreal steals two games in Tampa and goes back home up to nothing and Dominic Ducharme is available for game three. What do you do if you're the Montreal Canadiens? I know what I'd do if I were Dominic Ducharme. I know exactly what I'd do if I were Dominic Ducharme in that case. I'd be like, Luke, let's figure out next year, next year, this is your bench. This is your bench. You've got us here. We're going to stay with you. That's what I would do if I were Dominic Ducharme. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think... That this category, I mean, John Cooper has won everything at every level, right? Like mm -hmm. he and 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 I, I you know, he they I, I think this team takes on a lot of its identity from him as well. Um, you know, so I, I I do think that Tampa has the edge. That being said, I mean, Montreal, you know, for some reason, 
once you know the last the 56th game of the NH of this season was played and Montreal had lost their fifth game in a row to back into the playoffs like they weren't listening to Dominic Ducharme they weren't buying what he was selling they just weren't I mean and now they big time are um, so he's had an incredible effect on this roster. He's had a, he's had a, a huge effect on the system they play, and they've bought in. So I think you know I think I think he gets you know huge kudos for that. Um, but I still have to give it to Tampa because of the as you said, Brian, with the goaltending, been there, done that, one at every level, including this one, <laughs> which is a big one. So I I, I, I think I'm going to give it to to uh, Tampa. I agree with Ken on this one. You know, and anytime I see John Cooper, he, he reminds me, and Matt, you're going to love this because you love these sort of uh, analogies. He reminds me of Michael Keaton in the 80s. He looks He's like just Michael like, Keaton. He looks like Michael Keaton, and he just has this air about him. It's like, yeah, we got this. Don't worry. It's cool. Like, we're just going to have fun here. Like, we know we got this. Um, there's just like a confidence and uh, a poise to John Cooper. And, you know, he clearly he knows this team. He knows what makes them tick, and and he's had a, a tremendous amount of su- success. As Ken pointed out, not only uh, at every level before this, but at the NHL. And you know, it it's it's tough because Montreal's coaching has been such a big factor. Obviously, they fired their coach during the season, and uh, and as Ken pointed out, you know, gone on a great run with Ducharme, and then Luke Richardson, uh, basically a seamless transition. Uh, to the bench there, which to me speaks to uh, a, a dressing room culture in Montreal where, as Ken pointed out, there was a buy-in with Ducharme that came, it seems, during the playoffs where they got that belief. And Ducharme and Richardson clearly on the same page here. And I was kind of joking to myself that if Montreal wins the Cup, like somehow Alex Burroughs is going to be, you know, the guy behind the bench by that point, And, like, there'll be an ACB <laughs> for even Stamkos, you know, it'd be like stuck in the Tampa Zoo or something. Uh, something weird will happen. The Tampa loses like two important players, and that's how Montreal wins. But um, slight edge uh, to John Cooper because obviously he is, you know, the the tactician that has done it all. But honorable mention to to Charmin Richardson because they have turned this team into a unit that can take on any challenge. Ryan, just a quick story, if I can, about the the swagger of John Cooper that you talked about. I was talking to one of his former players uh, when he coached in St. Louis in the uh, North American Hockey League. Um, and uh, they, they, they had gone to the net, they had won their league and gone through the playdowns and they were in the national championship. I think it was in Alaska or something. And so they get up there or it probably wasn't in Alaska because they, they had a team bus and they took the bus to it. And uh, so they, 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 they're, they're there and there's the banquet and everything. And apparently the trophy, the championship trophy for the North American or for uh, the tier two sort of um, uh, championship in USA hockey, like apparently it's enormous. Like it's just the biggest thing you've ever seen. And so these guys are all standing around and Cooper's standing there and all the players are standing there looking at it. And Cooper just says one thing to them. He says, yeah, it should fit on the bus, turns around, walks away. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. And I think because of that swagger, I, I do give the edge to Cooper and the way I would describe it, I think as, 
I wrote the preview for our website and I, I use this term that there's, there's no moment that's too big for John Cooper. I think that he, he relishes those moments. He likes to be in the spotlight. He's a really charismatic, well-spoken guy coming from his legal background as well. And he's got a team with a lot of stars and, and possibly, you know, we don't really know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, but possibly a lot of egos when you have a team with that many star players. And it's, it's the same reason why I think he'll be a great pick to coach Canada. It's you're able to manage those egos when you have, I don't want to say big ego, but a big personality, a, a, some swagger, some confidence to you. So to me, he's he's well suited to this moment. And I'm not saying that Ducharme and Richardson are going to be overwhelmed by it, but I mean, the stage is huge here. It's it's a Canadian team, Montreal Canadiens, 28 years in the cup final. We have no idea how that pressure could suddenly take hold. Now that Montreal has something to lose, all through these playoffs, they've been the team with nothing to lose. Now they have something to lose. So I think you have to give the edge to the team that has, in a way, less to lose. Because Lightning, they've been here before. They did it last year. And I think the pressure now, even though they're the favorite, you could argue that it shifts back to Montreal. And that kind of transitions to the last category I want to discuss with you guys, which is the intangibles. So I think there are some fascinating intangibles. There's the underdog mentality with Montreal. There's the Canadian team factor. There's the fact Tampa's done it before. They're experienced. They have an entire team almost back from last year. Who do you think has the intangible edge, Ken? Well, I mean, you look at Tampa and, you know, okay, you go, okay, Stanley Cup rings. Well, it's obviously much easier just to list the guys who don't have them. And that's, I believe, David Savard and Ross Colton on this team. <laughs> that's it. Full stop. And then, you know, I mean, Montreal's got, you know, Tyler Toffoli, Joel Edmondson, uh, um, um, Allen, uh, um, the backup goalie. They've got... Uh, Eric Stahl. Uh, well, Corey, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl. And, and like, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, I mean, I think, I think Corey Perry's probably going to get into the hall of fame. I think Stahl's pr- might get into, but this is one of those ones where if, if you, if this is the cherry on top of their career, maybe this is what gets them in. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I just think that the, the, just the experience factor and the intangibles that that brings. Um, I mean, you're, you're not, you know, like you said, the moment is not going to be too big for Tampa Bay. It's not going to be too, you know, Patrick Maroon is in his third Stanley cup final in three years. You know, I mean, it's not going to be too big for him. It's not, you know, I mean, these guys have been there. They've done that. They've, they've gotten the, their name on the trophy. Um, you know, they carry, they do carry the weight of expectation, but I don't even feel like it's that heavy on them. Like, it's not like it's, you know, heavy as the head that wears the crown here. Like, I don't feel like Tampa's like, like, it just doesn't feel to me like Tampa's thinking, Oh, we're under all this pressure because we're the favored team and, and we've won before. And, you know, we were supposed to win this thing. Um, I, I don't get that sense at all. So I, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with, with Tampa on the intangibles. I'm going to go with Tampa as well and sort of ex- expanding on what Ken was talking about. I, when I look at this Tampa Bay team, you know, a couple of things to c- come to mind. It's like, yes, they won it last year, but they didn't have like the real parade because of the pandemic. Like they had a gathering for sure, probably a bigger gathering than they should have, uh, <laughs> but they didn't have like the grant, like it, it could have been bigger. And, you know, if you look at team motivation, I am sure at least once in that room, somebody, maybe John Cooper said, let's give the fans the proper championship parade they deserve. We, we, we got kind of ripped off last year. Let's give them the right one. And when I look at the end of that Islanders series, again, that, you know, once they had eliminated New York, they're doing the handshakes, you know, the coaches are talking. I just got this vibe of, 
that was tough, but we should have won that series. And we're a little bit miffed that it took that long. Like we're better than the Islanders and they're certainly on paper better than the Habs. And, you know, Matt, you mentioned it, you know, sort of in the intro to this section where Montreal, they've been the underdog the whole time. I think they've fed off that. They've fed off the insecurities of their opponents and that helped them come back on Toronto and, you know, that helped them shut down Winnipeg and, you know, Vegas, I, I don't know if Vegas got kind of just got the nerves and, and that's what took them out. Or if it was just, you know, the goaltending, you know, with Fleury's gaffes at the wrong time, but now Montreal, they, they can't say like, Hey, we're just happy to be here because now they could be the first Canadian team since Montreal 93 to win the cup. That's tremendous pressure. Mm-hmm. And you look at that town. I mean, Montreal as a city is just waiting for the Habs to grab that ring again. That's a tremendous amount of pressure. And they have, you know, they, they can no longer deny it. They can't say like, oh, you know, we'll just see what happens. Like, no, the trophy's there. It's in the building. Do you think you can get past Tampa Bay four games out of seven in order to snatch that? Because you're going to have to do it. So things aren't ethereal anymore. They are very real. They're very concrete. And for that reason, I'm going to give the intangibles to Tampa Bay because I just think they are in a better headspace uh, to accomplish their goal than Montreal right now. Yeah, you make interesting points there. And even someone like Carey Price, who's known as Mr. Iceman, what happens if it's game seven? You're, you're in overtime in game seven. You're, is Price still going to be the ultimate cool customer knowing that he can finally get his cup? I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get to that situation. And I agree in terms of the idea of tamping, Tampa wanting to do it the right way. And, and we don't even have to speculate because I was told. It was an interview I did with Victor Hedman for our playoff preview magazine in which he said, I haven't seen my most of my family members for a year. We didn't get to do the proper celebration and there's a hunger there. Also, Steven Stamkos played two minutes and 47 seconds. And there were some questions about it in, in media day on Sunday. No matter what Stamkos says, oh, I was still part of the team. I was in the room. You know, in the back of his mind, it's not the same. No matter what anyone says, it's not the same. You know that he knows it didn't feel like he earned it in the same way. And it's going to be a different feeling if he's been there all the way and put in all the work over the months to get that Stanley cup. It'll feel so different hoisting it. So I think that's an important factor. The weird thing is I don't, I'm not ready to give the intangible edge completely to Tampa Bay. If you look at the Canadian teams that have reached the final since 93. Okay. Edmonton Oilers, big underdog. They went seven games. We have the Canucks in 2011. They went seven games. Ottawa didn't go seven games in 2007, but the flames went seven games in 2004. I think there's a power when a Canadian team gets there and there's a momentum that's hard to stop. And even though there is something to lose this time, it just feels like Montreal has gained momentum with each round of these playoffs. And, you know, if Tampa, if Tampa even splits the first two games, going back to Montreal, just the, the, buzz in the city is going to be wild and yes it could be pressure but there's no science to this I just feel like it's different it's not the same as the oh my god you can't blow this kind of pressure showing those Leaf fans the shots of them in Jurassic Park you know those those, (laughs) people being so disappointed it just feels more jovial and excited with the Habs fan base and again I'm I'm just explaining this based on gut that's why this category is intangibles this is the one category where i'm allowed to make these kinds of arguments there's just something in the air there's a magic momentum to montreal and i think 
I, I don't think we can discount that. It's something we haven't seen. I even wrote that in the article, like this, this Stanley Cup hits different. I know that sounds like an anti-US bias, but we can't deny it. It's the New York Yankees. It's the most storied team in the history of hockey in the final for the first time in 28 years. And it just does hit different. There's a different sort of magic in the air. And I think Montreal would be wise to feed off that. So let's make our series pick. Ryan, who do you have? I'm going to take Tampa Bay and I'm going to, I'm going to charitably say in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's five. I, I agree with you, Ryan. I, I, I'm going to say, I, I said Tampa Bay in six. I wouldn't be surprised if it was five. I wouldn't be surprised if it were four. Um, you, you know, you look at it and the Montreal can, they, they've given out the, the NHL, NHL teams have won the Stanley cup 101 times. Only three Stanley Cup winners have had a worse regular season points percentage than this Montreal Canadiens team. No team has ever finished as low in the standings as this team did. You know, before this team went on its run against Toronto, they had won, they had lost eight of nine games. Um, you know, I know people are comparing it to 80, 86, 71, 93. Not close. Not close, in my opinion. Not close. I mean, 71, forget it. 71 had 10 Hall of Famers on it. Like, no, that this team is not the 1971 Montreal Canadiens. This team is not the 1993 Montreal Canadiens that finished sixth overall and had 102 points. This is not the 1986 Montreal Canadiens who had a 110-point scorer in Mats Naslund. No, they're not. They're not even close to these teams. Um, and, and I think that the thing we have to remember here is Montreal has been a great story. But so far... They haven't done anything. They haven't done anything that hasn't been done before. There have been a fair number of teams that have done what Montreal is doing in these mm -hmm. playoffs and gotten to the Stanley Cup final and then got slapped with a really cold, you know, case of cold reality. And I don't think this is going to be any different. I know I've picked Montreal to lose every series to this point, and I've been wrong every time, but I, I'm, I'm so, so. I, I, I've got the conviction that, that, that there's no way that they're going to win this series. I think Tampa is going to win it and it, and it could be quick. It's extremely well argued. It's, it's hard to argue against it, but I'm going to try. Uh, okay. I'm going to make two picks here. First, I'm going to pick with my head. This is me just picking purely with my brain. That sound effect was me just removing my brain. My brain says, well, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the far superior team. They're the most balanced and talented and well-rounded hockey team in the NHL. They're the defending champions. They're a team full of players who've already won. There's no reason why they should lose. They've, they've been the best team in the league for two years in a row, and they should win the series fairly easily. They're just the better team in every way. There's no pressure on them. That's my brain pick. Now my heart pick. My heart pick. I'm picking with emotion. <laughs> and there's something magical about this Montreal team. I can't explain it. I'm picking them to win the series in seven games. It makes no sense. Nothing about these playoffs makes sense. I don't care. Tampa's the better team. Tampa should win. Tampa probably will win, but I don't care. Montreal in seven games. I can't explain why. It's just a feeling. And I'm not someone who picks with their heart. I'm very pragmatic, but I'm throwing that out the window because I can't explain anything that has happened with this team in these playoffs. So screw it. Montreal in seven is my official pick. Wow. You're going to look good if they win, Matt. You are going to look really good if they win this thing. Who knows? It doesn't make any sense. They shouldn't, but I just, I can't shake this, good for you. this gut feeling, man. And that concludes the Stanley Cup preview podcast. Hopefully you will enjoy this series. I'm sure we will too. And we'll be back later on with another podcast as always. Thank you for listening to the Hockey News Podcast. 
Make sure to check out THN.com slash subscribe to get issues of the Hockey News Magazine delivered right to your mailbox.